This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. What's up, Top Rope Nation? Sunday morning, here to break down WWE Day 1. Kyle, I like these Saturday night pay-per-views. Makes it a lot easier to do these reviews. We don't have to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning. We can take our time Sunday morning, kind of mentally digest the show, get our show notes ready, and then discuss with the viewers. Hopefully, you guys are joining us here in the live chat. We're streaming live across all the platforms, as we always do, so... As you're listening, if you have any thoughts, let us know. We'll get you involved in the show. As I mentioned, I'm joined by Kyle Ross today to talk about the latest pay-per-view offering from the WWE. And Kyle, how are you doing this morning? Uh, correction, we are here to talk about the latest premium live event from That's the WWE. That's right. There we go. They have changed but, the uh, changed the wording. It's the premium live events now, which, I mean, honestly, it hasn't been pay-per-view in many years, so it makes sense, but... It's just a, a little change to change to get used to, I guess. And, you know, as we'll get into, I'm not so sure about day one, but uh, there's no one I would rather spend my day two with than you and the listeners here at Top Rope Nation. Oh, right? what a sweet thing to say, Kyle. Happy New that. Year, buddy. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to all the listeners. 2022. Did it kick off with a bang? I don't know. We're going to get into it with this show, Kyle. Uh, let's just right off the top. What do you give this, give the give it the A through F gimmick? What do you give this the show? First of all, it's a very personal question. If it, if it began with a bang, I'm not going to answer that. So, <laughs> but as far as the grade, hmm. Let me say this first: for me to have the same outrage or joy, for that matter, I know that there were some people who enjoyed the show actually uh, that I'm seeing from others. That would have required a certain level of caring that I just did not have coming into this premium live event. So it was newsworthy. Mm -hmm. There was one good match. But this isn't anything I would watch again. Like any of it. I don't think I would ever watch anything again. So by WWE standards, it was a pretty average show. I think by what I want or expect from pro wrestling, it was probably a little below average. C minus maybe sounds right. It's exactly what I had planned to give it. C minus. It's like pretty average to slightly below. I mean, I if I look at our Twitter poll, so we got 152 votes since last night. So quite a few people chiming in here. We got 40% at a B, 20% at a C, 27% at D or F, and 13% at an A. So yeah, I'm kind of splitting the difference between the big chunks of people that gave it a B and a D or F, and I'm I'm kind of C minus. It wasn't. I agree with you. Nothing I would I would watch again. I didn't think there was anything on this show that was above three and a half stars. I mean, there's no real great matches on it. There were some matches that were decent and fine, but nothing like go out of your way to see kind of thing. No, and I mean, isn't that the point of a premium yeah. live event <laughs> to have something worth remembering, something you want to go back? And watch, I wrote on the Facebook group last night as we were all commenting about the show in real time that if you like the WWE, 
God bless your soul. You probably liked this show. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like the WWE, then you probably are no more excited about the promotion on day two than you were in day one of 2022. So I think when you look at the poll grade that we have on Twitter, it kind of reflects that, right? Where the two predominant grades are B or D slash F. Yeah. And I think that reflects those two groups for me personally. And this is my big takeaway from day one is I have a frighteningly nihilistic view of this promotion as we turn the calendar to 2022. I sat and watched it. Didn't watch the whole thing in real time. I was watching, I watched the end of the Rose Bowl before I jumped in. And I love chatting with you guys, you, Frank, everybody else that was on the Facebook group. But like, I'm watching these matches. I don't care who wins. I don't care who loses. I'm sort of just looking at my computer chatting, not caring what's really going on in the ring. Yeah. And and that's kind of sad. I mean, that's how I am too, honestly. I mean, uh, if... If we weren't doing this podcast, I probably wouldn't have watched the show. I mean, like, almost certainly wouldn't have watched the show. So, listeners, we're here for you because we know a lot of you aren't watching these shows and you tune in whether you're watching it or listening to the podcast feed to just kind of hear our take on what happened because you want to keep up with what's going on, but you don't want to actually watch it because the shows aren't great right now from WWE. And I agree. Like, if I wasn't doing this, I wouldn't watch the show. Yeah, I mean, so. it's, it's a real sad state of affairs when you just don't <laughs> care who wins or loses. Yeah. And so I, I, I know there was one decision that, you know, has some people up in arms. We'll get into a lot of, of that. But like, like I said at this open, I can't even feign a level of outrage over the main event anymore. That's what, you know, most of the emotion is about is, is how the main event went down, understandably so. And we'll get into it here with the match and stuff. But I think it's more... Not that people were connected emotionally to the product, or at least from my end, what, what I was writing on Twitter was more a frustration of they could do something else that would be better, that would elevate someone in a company that doesn't have top stars. Oh, and by the way, Drew McIntyre's injured. So <laughs> it might be kind of nice to have more top stars you could plug in in case you're without somebody for a long stretch of time, but who am I? It, it's just like, I just see it as missed opportunities. That's what... That's what makes me angry. Not so much that, oh, God, I was so invested in this title run Big E had. It's more like, why wouldn't you do this? Why is it the same thing for, you know, like, I I understand putting the title on Brock Lesnar and everything. But look, man, Brock Lesnar doesn't get me to tune in to the product. I understand they see him as a megastar. He is a big star. But he, he has been back with the company for a decade now. Like yep. he's been his return, his return timeline is longer than Hulk Hogan's or, original WWF run. He's been back a long, long time. And to me, the whole thing is very played out. Now, if we do get to a, a Roman Reigns unification match or something like that, well, we could talk about that because we've talked on this podcast before that we hate having two world champions. But I don't like what they did to Big E in the way that they laid out the finish. We'll get to it here in just a second. And we're also going to talk about the big news with Roman Reigns. But before we do, I just wanted to say one more thing on that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you saw this. I I retweeted it from our uh, Twitter account, of course. Uh, But there was this take um, that Charles Loss, the the guy who runs the PWO board, sharp guy, some something you can a guy you can learn from. 
He had this tweet that I, I really thought was accurate where he said, I think WWE sees Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns as the end of history. They've pretty much been feuding for seven years. They, they meaning WWE, never seem to have any long-term plans that don't result in a feud between them other than slight hope Dwayne, that being The Rock, can do something. Pretty much and, and says that, it all. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that's what it is. Like, <laughs> we talk about it all the time in our interview. It just spins in a circle, and it just comes back to the same people. And it this promotion doesn't feel like it ever moves forward anymore. It just goes yeah. back to the same two people. And you can say it on the women's side, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we're going to dive into all of it in depth here in just a minute. Before we do, real quick, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. If you're listening, please go to our YouTube page and subscribe. It helps us out, youtube.com slash Nation. Uh, we are available wherever podcasts are found. Leave us the five-star rating. In fact, Spotify just rolled out a new rating system. They'd never had a rating system before. So if you listen to us on Spotify, go to the show page, hit five stars. Let's get out in front of that search algorithm, get as many five-star ratings for Top Rope Nation as we can, so we rank highly on Spotify. We greatly appreciate that. And then, of course, the best way to support the show, patreon.com slash Nation. We have bonus content dropping on a weekly basis, bonus shows every single week. This month, two editions of Top Rope Nation Classics dropping as well. The first one will drop later this week. We're going to be looking back at the first WWF Saturday nights or not Saturday nights made event shotgun Saturday night from January of 1997 should be a lot of fun and so the link here is in the in the podcast description you can read all about supporting us on patreon I do want to shout out two brand new patrons who have joined since we last did a live show uh, Jesse Velasquez who is also part of the Blue Wire family on Blue Wire Hustle he's got a podcast a uh, wrestling unplugged and undeniable check them out they do a great job both of us are going to be appearing on that podcast here in the next week or two. So look for that. And then we also want to thank Kyle mentioned his name a little bit ago, friend of the pod, Frank Pettiani of pro wrestling torch. Thank you for your support on Patreon as well. Kyle, the big news as WWE day one was getting ready to start was the status of Roman reigns because the show had been built around the Roman reigns, Brock Lesnar match we didn't end up getting that because about an hour before the show went on, they announced that Roman Reigns had tested positive for COVID-19. Of course, thoughts with him. We know the health battles he's undergone in the past, and he's not someone you want battling COVID. And, uh, you know, on a more macro level, you wonder if this will cause the company to evaluate their COVID protocol because they had just announced they're no longer <laughs> doing mandatory testing. And now their biggest star is COVID. Not great. A week ago, they took him off the road. They took a lot of people off the road, including Seth Rollins, who very loudly told the world he had COVID on Twitter, uh, cleared to compete because he was at day one. But they took Roman off the road, too. Um, he was on the SmackDown tour down in Florida at the time. And we didn't know why. Could have been, you know, at the time people are wondering, did he test positive? Are they trying to keep him away? Uh, was he exposed and he's going into quarantine? We don't know for sure what happened, but it would seem to me like since they kept building up the match, maybe they just put him into quarantine, hoping that he wouldn't come down with it. And then five days later or whatever, he got COVID because we know like when you've been exposed, I think three to five days is the time period where it usually shows up and it showed up Saturday, I guess. And he, and he had COVID, they had to pull him from the match and then they insert Brock Lesnar into the WWE title match for raw instead. 
pretty shocking news when you heard that, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, what, thoughts on this? Yeah. Uh, so my biggest question is, and you kind of went over that. When did he first test positive? I'd like to know that. Um, obviously, regardless of when he tested positive, you do, as, as you said, and I'll re- reiterate these sentiments. Hope he gets well. Um, I'll peel back the curtain here a little bit. Your boy, me, I got the vid over the holiday break. Not sexy. Not the way you want to do it. Was pretty sick for two days. Uh, but, you know, I'm okay now, uh, obviously, here doing this pod. But, yeah, it's going around. And like you said, the WWE testing policy, it doesn't look good when you <laughs> announce, well, we're no longer doing mandatory testing. And then your biggest star gets it a few days later. So there was certainly a fear. I think that's a fair word that there might be some COVID-related absences on this pay-per-view, and it turned out to be uh, the biggest name they have in the promotion. Yeah. So he's inserted into the main event. I, I feel like you know, the company probably thought they're not delivering the biggest match. They got to do something big in the main event, and that may have factored into the title change decision. Yeah. Uh, you had your notes here. I mean, like, I wonder what the original plan was. With with Roman and and Brock, and then you know Brock not even being in this match, what would they have done? Yeah, that's the other thing. I'd love to find that out. Not just what the booking of Roman and Brock was going to be, but what was the who, who was going over in the Fatal Four Way? Both these matches. So yeah. uh, that's something that has not been reported yet. I kind of want to know. Maybe I'll try to f- fish around and find out about that. But as I kick a garbage can, but my bad. Yeah, I, I don't know what it was. I wonder if, and I guess we'll find out in the weeks that follow, was the plan, if the plan was to do a unification match at WrestleMania always, then I guess this just made sense. If they're not unifying the titles, then I think it's what you said just moments ago. Okay, we've got this big house. We just lost our biggest match. Because, I mean, they sold a lot of tickets to this thing. I mean, there was like 11,000 people in the building last year. Mm -hmm. And we got to do something, and we'll just put the title on Brock, and we'll figure out a way to get the title back on somebody else and do our same Brock-Roman destination as planned moving down. So we'll we'll see. I guess that's going to kind of, you know, I guess the upcoming weeks will let us know maybe or give us a hint what they were going to do originally here. But it yeah. obviously wasn't um, having Brock Lesnar win the WWE title. Yeah, so I think you were kind of clued in right away at the, at the pecking order, and maybe even what was going to happen when they made their entrances. Because Big E being, you know, the world champion, he came out second to last. Brock Lesnar got the final entrance spot. Yeah. Also in this match, you got Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and and Bobby Lashley. Um, the way they laid it out was mostly what you would expect you know like they did have guys laid out on the outside not everyone involved simultaneously like these wwe multi-man matches are Uh, but it was a sprint you know the match is only eight minutes and 25 seconds until lesnar pinned Big E clean uh before we get to the outcome and, and how they did all that thoughts on the match itself kyle uh it was okay i thought it was a pretty standard wwe multi-person match yeah, you know, I, I think there were some people praising it like profusely, and I, I was shocked by that. It just, you know, the I don't care that the match was short. 
I think we need more matches that are sprints uh, as we roll through 2022. It was just, there was nothing out of the ordinary. We got the same Lashley spear a guy through the barricade spot you always get. You know, if it's not Lashley doing that in a multi-person match, it's Roman. Tables were involved. There was really just nothing remotely unique to it at all. It was hard hitting. It was intense. The crowd was into it. I mean, it wasn't bad. I just, it wasn't something I would ever watch again, though. Yeah. And you, you talk, it's funny that Biggie was moved down the pecking order by Lesnar's involvement. Go back to the preview show that I did uh, a couple days ago. My concern then, before Lesnar was even ahead of the match, was is that Biggie really isn't booked as important as Lashley. So, I, in my opinion, both going in and coming out of this match, Big E was like the third most important person of the five, yeah. despite being yeah. the world champion. Yeah, they protected Lashley in, in the finish. You know, he didn't take the pinfall. I think we're going to get Lesnar and Lashley before too long, if not at WrestleMania. Uh, that seems to be the logical direction. Hey, I'm into that match. That's a match I've wanted to see, for sure. Never happened. Yep. So, that's that's something fresh. Um, but I did think, and you said this too, I think the uh, it was kind of getting overrated on Twitter, at least by some people on Twitter.com. People were like raving about this match. I didn't think it was that good. I think, no. I think it was all right. No, I uh, mean, it was, I mean, it paled in comparison to like the four way from SummerSlam 2017 that had Reigns, Lesnar, yeah. Strowman. That was like Braun Strowman's coming out party and uh, Smojo. This, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't this one wouldn't even compare to that. No. Uh, you know, and then like Seth Rollins, my God. I mean, I've joked in the past how it just seems like him and Becky watched Conor McGregor videos on YouTube and are just trying to <laughs> copy that. I think it's even it's even worse with Seth. I it almost feels like he watched like a YouTube video how to be a heel in pro wrestling. It's really <laughs> bad with this guy. I mean, it's real bad. Not a fan of the drip god. No. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's very awful. I, I just you know, it was just whatever. It was there. I mean, multi-person matches. Just there's too many of them in WWE. So yeah. again, I know it's a big deal, and we're about to talk about the finish, but I didn't care at all watching this. So you you mentioned Big E in the pecking order, and they never really went all in with this title reign, and no, that title that was terrible. That leads to a whole other topic we could get into, uh, which we, we might should. hear. Yeah, let's do <laughs> um, And that has to do with, well, okay, let's talk about it right now. There's been a lot in the news about what Tony Khan said and about African-American wrestlers oh, oh, and professional oh, we're wrestling. here. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I don't want to get too much into this because obviously I'm not African-American and um, my opinion wouldn't carry as much weight as someone who is an African-American fan and has watched a business dominated by white people, mostly. I will say that Tony was getting dragged, and rightfully so, for what he said. You know, like the way he kind of brushed off the comments from Big Swole and said, oh, she wasn't very good anyways. That's why we released her. Watch Rampage tonight. Very tone deaf. Not great. But also, when you look at WWE and how they have booked their African-American world champions, whether it is Kofi Kingston, you know, or here now, what we had going on with Big E, that deserves criticism, too. Bianca. 
Bianca, I mean, you got to look at this company too and give them the same treatment. I, I think Bobby Lashley had a, a pretty good title reign mm-hmm. to give him credit there. Um, but you know, that plays into it. Like, look how they treated Big E. He wasn't pushed as a top act despite being world champion. And look how he lost the title. And I'm sure he's going to slide right back into the mid card. I don't think there's really going to be any follow up here. Maybe I'll be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But, uh, I mean, he had his feel good moment and that was it. Ryan Gorman chimed in in the chat and he said, did this title reign help Big E in any way? Is he any more credible than before he won the title? He cashed in like a heel Lost on a near weekly basis. Yeah, a near 500 record over the last couple of months. I really feel terrible for Big E. Yeah, I don't think it did anything, honestly, because like you said, he cashed in like a heel. So we never really got a title chase out of him. That was the biggest thing that made me angry about him taking the fall here is because he would be a guy who would be strong chasing. And I don't think we're going to get that unless they pivot. And it would have been so easy to do that with him and to heat him up more in WrestleMania season. So if you didn't see the match, the finish was Big E, gave the big ending to Bobby Lashley, tried to give it to Brock, Brock reversed it, F5, pins the champion. And that, again, that tells you everything you need to know about what they think about Big E in the pecking order because he didn't come out last and he took the fall. So I think Big E's time as the champion is over, unfortunately. And and, and him taking the fall means there's probably not even going to be a rematch because... Brock exactly doesn't work full time so there's you've got limited dates on him and if you're just going to have him pin big e like that what's the point of even doing a rematch right so yeah so like what they could have done there's no reason to beat a babyface world champion in a multi-man match like the whole reason to have a multi-man match is that you can switch the title and pin somebody else and then you come out of the match with Big E's pissed because he didn't get pinned, but he lost his title. And so then he's got a beef. And then maybe he's not going to get a title shot right away. So he can just blow through guys, just destroying him. Guys left and right, destroying people on his way to getting a championship match again. And then people really get behind him. There's money in the chase. There you go. Instead, he just loses and he's done. What's the... (laughs) What's the money in that? Why would you do that? There's other well, people in this match, like a Seth Rollins, even Kevin Owens. I know he just re-signed. But people that could have taken the fall, I think Big E, of all the people there, he's the newest to the top of the card. He's not the guy you beat. You got to make new people. You got to establish new main eventers that can hang around. Because as you said, Kyle, we've been doing the same thing for the last seven years at the top of the card. Yeah, okay, so... Y- you said a lot there. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let's try to respond to everything. Number one, yeah, I you know, I, I thought about Biggie losing and how it might relate to the criticism, the rightful criticism of Tony Khan over the weekend. I don't know if this is the weekend we want to make this into a WWE versus AEW thing. No, I don't want to do that. But right if, now, but I it's, was, it's if, a, if I was, if I was, yeah, yeah. If I was a cynical person, and I kind of am, I I would point out that, like, if you think Big E just getting this random win on a Raw and that being, yay, diversity, I think that, like, maybe you don't really understand what, like, meaningful change means. Yeah. Um, If I was really cynical... I would say Big E was completely set up to fail with this title run. 
he, as you pointed out, there was no build to him winning the title. It was just one day he went on Twitter and said, I'm going to cash in the briefcase tonight. And that was just a hot shot deal to get people to watch Raw. He, before the brand split, remember, went over to the other brand to cash against the guy who was viewed as the secondary champion. Make no mistake about it, Roman Reigns is the biggest star in this company. So if you go after the other champion, that just seems weaker, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, It's not that Lashley wasn't booked strong. He's just, again, there's just no denying who the top guy in this company is. So that was odd. I think Money in the Bank is dead as a star-making device. I mean, for God's sake, Nikki A.S.H. had the briefcase. You know, I mean, we're right mm-hmm. this. So, yeah, you know, people were like, oh, you know, maybe it wasn't what you wanted, but you got to feel great for Big E today. And it's like, yeah, I mean, personally, he probably in that moment and when he went home that night after winning the WWE title felt pretty good about himself and his career. But you could see this coming. They had nothing set up for him after the moment. We joked the on this program, the last time the three of us were around, you, myself, and Justin, how that number one contenders match to establish his first contender, which Seth Rollins won, had all the feels of a bronze medal game in Olympic hockey. It was just like a loser's <laughs> consolation bracket. Yeah. You know, I mean, so they had no contenders set up for him. Uh, it just feels that they took the title off Lashley at an opportune time so he could lose to Goldberg at crown jewel and you didn't have to put the title on Goldberg and Lashley also then didn't have to lose to reigns because big picture WWE still feels Lashley's a bigger star than Big E, So we'll just mm-hmm. have big E take the fall to reigns and be the clearly designated second champion. And you know, it was football season. So WWE's probably like, all right, well, you know, these fa- portion of our fan base really wants to see big E be the champion. We don't really care about that as much as they do. Let's just give it to them at a time when, you know, it probably won't do anything or mean much if he's the champion. And then we'll get predictably bored of it and take it off of him. And that was his run. To answer Ryan Gorman in the chat, his comment, no, this didn't help Biggie at all. I mean, mean, same with Kofi. Yeah, look, right? I was just going to say, I look at Kofi Kingston. He had a he went right great back. moment as champion, yeah. you know, a moment as champion, then terrible feuds and lost the title in eight seconds. And you wouldn't know he's a former world champion if you watch the show. Well, unless if they remind you, it's just something they say when it's opportune for yeah. them. Like, oh, this guy's a former world champion. Oh, that sounds interesting. But it really isn't interesting. And I'll say this. I think Big E's run was worse than Kofi's. Oh, yeah. Oh, like it 100%. was, it was real bad. Oh, yeah. Like real, it was just one of those things that it's like, you know, they had no faith in it whatsoever. You could tell right from the rip, like I said, and Vince was just waiting for the first opportunity to take it off of him. And I guess this was that it was just pretty bad. Um, you know, I was thinking also of Liam O'Rourke who guessed it on this pod when we did reviewed crown jewel. He and I, we need to cut the the audio that he said of the review of Biggie and McIntyre, because there was this moment after the match where Biggie looked at the title, and Liam made this comment, which wound up being so true. 
that he like when Biggie looked at the title, he he was probably wondering, well, is the same thing that happened to Drew going to happen to me in a few months? Mm. And it totally did. Yeah, it's just like a guy gets a title, and he just gets sent crashing down, and it really doesn't mean much. It's like just a cycle, a circle, if you will. And I don't know. I feel bad for Biggie because it just, you know, he 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 was not elevated in any way during this run. Yeah. This is why it's it's just so hard to buy into anything they do that is fresh. Like you mentioned Nikki A.S.H. And there was people when she won on Twitter just raving about like what a great moment it was. And I think we were texting that night like just doesn't mean anything. They're not going to go all in on this woman. And they didn't. You no, know? And I, like, unfortunately, I thought with Big E, maybe I hold, held out a little hope that maybe they would just because Big E has been a guy that we've talked about for years as somebody who could be a big star? He has this. He first of all, he's jacked. He's huge, uh, and he's got this great personality. He's super engaging. He was really good on the media loop as champion. You know, appearing on 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 the college football shows and stuff. <laughs> Hold on, I, before I forget about this, somebody had this incredible tweet last night. It was so correct. It's like because they were they kept showing these video packages during the middle of the show last night. They had one on Bianca. Yeah. Even though Bianca was on the show, and some I think it was after the Bianca one. Somebody tweeted. Everyone in WWE, meaning like the the wrestlers, seems like such a more interesting real human being than they are a television character. And in wrestling, it should be the opposite. They should be way more interesting as a television character than they are as a normal person. But you, you, like, yeah. you almost would rather just see them be their real selves. Like, think about it. it this is mm. where we reached with the WWE that... You would rather see these people in their normal lives than as characters on the program. What an indictment <laughs> of creative that is. Seriously. We, the WWE? We... <laughs> I saw that post he had the Facebook group this morning. Just read it right in that voice. Just yeah. just how you said it there. I mean, we we did the fantasy, the WrestleMania fantasy draft. Was it a couple years ago? I don't yeah, even remember when that was. What a fucking Maybe. waste of time that was. <laughs> but we talked about Big E at the time. Like, this yeah. is a guy who could win the Royal Rumble. He's got star written all over him. Now he's been a world champion. But instead, you just have him lose. He's the guy that lays down back to teaming with the New Day and, and Kofi or whatever he's going to do. And he's just a mid-carder again. I, do, I don't see any positives. And it was just so, so many better ways to do this, whether it is... Him coming out and raw and saying, "You never beat me. I want the shot right now." They, like I said, they make him go through a litany of contenders until he finally gets that shot. You know, they could do a unification match with Roman and Brock at Royal Rumble. They could do it at the February show in in Saudi Arabia. You know, big money show there. Maybe they'll do it there if they do it. And then, you know, you get to either Big E winning the Royal Rumble and charging towards WrestleMania to finally get his rematch because he didn't lose. Or, again, like him just proclaiming he wants a title shot and week after week destroying guys. Like, that's how you heat him up. And he never had a title chase. As we said, he won cheaply with money in the bank. Yeah. And, and he never got that. So why not give this guy the opportunity to see what he can do for a couple of months to get the fans really steamrolling behind him. I just feel like they it's so easy. Like wrestling doesn't have to be this hard. Don't beat the champion clean in a multi-man match. Try to keep him hot and see where you're at in a couple of months. Shit, they don't even have to give him the rematch. Just try. 
see what happens over the next one one to two months, you know, while they're doing the Brock Roman thing. I mean, I don't know how they do. I've seen like Brian Alvarez tweeted, looks like Roman and Brock at WrestleMania to unify the belts. Like, how do they do that at WrestleMania? Because that wouldn't we'll that like that. make yeah, that that would make the Royal Rumble either not mean anything because you wouldn't get a title shot, or they do a unification match one night and then the Royal Rumble winner the next night would like challenge whoever wins. I don't know. I feel like if they're going to do a unification match, they should do it soon, like at the Rumble. I don't know what you think about that. But. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I don't want to get derailed here. And I, I, I did have a, a point that I wanted to get to. And it's this. you know, I think a comparison you can make right now between WWE and AEW, and I think we've talked about this before on the show, is you know, you look at the way AEW crowned Hangman Adam Page versus the way WWE crowned Big E. So much of Hangman was about the journey and making you want to see him be the champion through the television, not just because people thought he was a good wrestler or a talented guy or a potential star or anything like that. They probably did think that, but it you have to have that translated onto your television. Whereas WWE, it was nothing up. There was nothing that happened on television that really made the masses want to see Biggie become the champion. Like I said, it was just a tweet out of nowhere. I'm going to cash in this briefcase I have. Yeah. They didn't build him up. He was, you know, he lost to, you know, Colonel D's nuts or whatever, or, you know, <laughs> Saba Simba 2.0 at WrestleMania, and then just kind of did nothing for the summer except win the briefcase. He yeah. was on the pre-show at SummerSlam. So th- that, you know, that hurt it. We've beaten a dead horse with that. Um, as far as where they go with the titles from here, they are not going... I, I would be shocked. I shouldn't say they're not because that opens me up to be proven wrong. But I would be shocked if they deviated from Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Shocked. I, Third I absolutely, time's a charm. I absolutely think now whether it's a unification match or like I was saying earlier, they find a way to get the WWE title off Brock and then just go back to their normal Roman Brock plans remains to be seen. You know, in terms of it making sense and the Royal Rumble, it's WWE, man. I mean, they could do a deal where both of them successfully defend at the Royal Rumble. And then one of them just randomly just enters the Rumble and <laughs> wins that. I mean, would that shock you if that happened? No. It's not, I, mean, I mean, right? They're like, oh my God. Like Michael go, it's Brock, it's Brock. And he's like in the role, he just wins. <laughs> he throws 10 people out and he wins. And they're like, yeah. what does this mean for WrestleMania? I mean, would you be shocked if that happened? Or if Roman did that? <laughs> no. No. Um, no. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, they did a deal where, you know, they could do, if they wanted to get, if they wanted to keep the title split, they could have Brock wrestle Lashley at the Rumble, which I think they're going to do. And Roman could cost Brock the title. And then Brock gets in the Rumble and wins that. And then mm-hmm. they go on their merry way. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hate two world champions. Here's the thing. If you do split the championships and you do have Roman and Brock as one of the title matches, what's the other title match? 
Like, Lashley will probably be involved just because they view him as the third biggest star in the company. But, I mean, you're not going to do Lashley and Big E, are you? I mean, my God, are they going to have Lashley get his win back over Goldberg? Goldberg has one more match on the current deal, I believe. I mean, I don't know. It's WWE, so it's so fruitless trying to figure this out because it's a 70-plus-year-old man man who just wakes up one day and just wants to do something and the poor mm. bastards who work for him have to figure it out so i don't know what what i th- this is what i want to talk about though i want to throw this to you because there's something that is just so fascinating to me with roman being out with covid and the reaction that i saw from fans all day long on twitter the announcement's made and there's immediately this sentiment oh well this five way is going to be a banger And no one seemed remotely upset that this huge main event was lost. The match the show had been built around. What does that say about WWE storylines that the literal biggest storyline in the promotion was not going to progress and no one seemed to care. And actually a lot of people seem to be more excited about the other thing happening. I would say that that illustrates what I've said on these pay-per-view post shows exactly to a T for years now, where I always come on here and I say, you always know you're going to get some good matches, but there's no overarching story that gets you emotionally invested. That shows that that's the case because people are now conditioned to think, oh, it's a pay-per-view. We're going to get some good matches, but they're not actually emotionally connected to what's happening. Like you should want to see Roman and Brock. And be disappointed about that. But like, as you said, people are way more excited, apparently, that, oh, Brock, it's a five-way now. It's going to be, as you said, it's going to be a banger. Uh, It it wasn't really. (laughs) It was fine. It was okay. But, like, I watch wrestling shows to have an emotional connection to what's happening, to, you know, turn off reality for a couple of hours and get invested in these characters. Do I want to see great matches? Of course. I want great matches to be mixed in with that. But I don't want to just watch for three hours and see great matches and that's it. And then have no reason to watch the show next the next night or yeah. a week later or two and, weeks later. And, the matches and that's the problem usually, with the product. Yeah. And the matches usually aren't great as they're made out to be. Again, like no. I, said, I, I think I think I would be lower on basically every single match on this card than the majority of mainstream re- reviewers are. D- OK, let me just throw this out to you. Is Brock Roman the awesome storyline that some people think it is then if you had such a large portion of the fan base seemingly not care that it wasn't being progressed <laughs> on this show no that's why okay. you do something different and, man and, like and that's then, why you try something different and then i was kind of irritated you know a little bit maybe irritated is the wrong word or whatever but you know when you talk about this scattershot booking you know, if fans are like this and they just are like you know a cat and they're like ooh, look at this new shiny toy and just forget about the old shiny toy. No wonder we get this shitty booking. If fans are just going to be like that, if if like if everybody, it it says one of two things. The the reaction here that Lesnar Lashley is a bigger deal than Lesnar Reigns, or that WWE fans just don't give a fuck about storylines anymore. It says one, think- it's it's one of those two things, or maybe yeah. both. And it's fascinating to me. Like, there was a time in this industry where it would have been considered catastrophic 
to lose a main event like that. Yeah. And, and not only did people, were people not sad, they seemed like excited to move on to something else. I think they are conditioned to not care about, at least WWE fans are conditioned because I see this all the time on Twitter and our mentions, you know, if we are critical at all about WWE, you know, the, the WWE defenders will come out and like, we're critical of WWE because we want them to be better. I would like to watch two hot products simultaneously. It's awesome. It's happened before, <laughs> you know, like that's what I want. And they just all just come out and defend. And it's like, cause they've grown like the younger WWE fans have grown up during a period where the product hasn't been good creatively for a long, long time. And they don't really even know what that looks like. So now they're just conditioned to want to see good matches and that's it. And to me, there's really no draw in that. I mean, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I haven't been tuned into New Japan this year. And New Japan just hasn't had the draw for me that it has in years past. Basically, once all the guys left that went to AEW, I know they're having bangers of matches all the time over there. But my time is so limited to keep up with both WWE and AEW for this podcast. I just don't have time to watch it. And there's no, there's nothing really drawing me into watching it. If I want, if only I care, if the only thing I cared about was watching great matches, I would only watch New Japan because I know what's happening all the time there, you know, but I want more than that. And unfortunately, WWE doesn't seem to care. A big section of their audience apparently doesn't care anymore either. And they'll talk about what great matches they saw last night, and nobody will remember them in two weeks. <laughs> and like, honestly, a year from now, will you remember anything from this show? Like, you might remember that Lesnar won the title, but even a couple of years from now, you might have to think about, how did that happen again? How many times has he been the world champion? What happened? Oh, yeah, that, that day one thing. Like, there's nothing just memorable about this. It's just, you know, and, and, and it was, I think it was below average as far as in-ring matches go, too compared to some of their pay-per-view offerings or their special event offerings. Premium live events. Whatever it's called. I, I, I just, I think it was, I think nothing above three and a half stars, no four star plus matches on this show. Nothing I would go back and watch. You know, it's funny. You referenced something I had thought of too. Other than this being the first day one pay-per-view, there is nothing on this show that really places it in the year 2022. Does that make sense? Like, look at some of these matchups, and we'll go through them all here in a minute. We're the other card. Uso's New Day. You know, Randy Orton's one of the most popular people on the show. Edge and Miz. Nothing about the show says moving forward, says 2022. Like, if you just, you know, again, knocked me unconscious, you know, put me in a coma, woke me up in six months. Mm-hmm. Please don't do that for the record, but if you did. <laughs> and then you showed me this pay-per-view and we're like, when did this happen? The only thing for me that would place it in the year 2022 is that I know that they've never been a day one pay-per-view before. Yeah. Tried something new. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's really the only thing. Like, you know, I mean, there's certain, when a new pay-per-view title comes out, by the way, doesn't that back up what we've been saying on this show for years about the pay-per-view titles? How it's actually very quite important to have unique pay per view titles instead of you know, freaking Vengeance Part Twenty Seven or whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, like yeah. literally, other than the name of this pay per view, nothing says Twenty Twenty Two about it. No. Great comment from Tim Jensen, a good friend of mine, by the way. <laughs> nothing says Twenty Twenty Two when your wrestlers are from Two Thousand and Two. Oh boy. All right, I that's think we've pretty, talked about. Dude, that's pretty crazy when you think about that, man. Like, 20 years since Brock won the title for the first time. That's like, 
Hogan winning the title in 2004. <laughs> yeah, we like... talked about this. Remember, we were just running through the list of people who have made their debuts more more than nine years ago when we did the year in review. It's crazy. Yeah. And th- there was a great tweet in the middle of the week that someone that, uh, you know, it was uh, in the aftermath of Tony Storm leaving that WWE, I think we all agree, needs a massive roster cleanse, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But the most peculiar thing about, you know, all these releases is who they're getting rid of. They're getting rid of all the people who haven't been around for very long and keeping the people that have been around forever. It is the oddest damn thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> it just like, blows they, my mind. Just, they are just banking, doing that math. I mean, are they just banking that heavily on the broad breakers, Carmelo Hayes and the, the Von Wagners and of the world? I mean, is that what the thing is? Freaking Grayson Waller? <laughs> I mean, is that what this is all about? They're just like, well, we just hated everyone Triple H signed, so we're going back to the people we're comfortable with, and then, you know, we're just going to bank on all our, you know, NXT 2.0. I guess that's a strategy, but those guys are years away, in my opinion, from being able to be big-time performers on a big stage. Mm-hmm. Braun Breakers had, like, less than 15 matches in his career. Yeah. I'm just running these numbers in my head. It's blowing my mind. Twenty, Almost 20 years, not quite, since Brock first won the title. And I said it, it'd be like Hogan winning it in 04. He did win it in 02. Like, Bret Hart... Winning the title in 2012, 20 years after Saskatoon. I feel like Shawn Michaels winning it in 2016. I mean, the, even Ric Flair didn't, like, 20 years? Did he get to 20 years from his first title reign until that last one? What year did he first win the title? 81. So, no, Flair. he didn't. It was slightly it was, less than that. Slight, and that's Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> like crazy, Ric, man. arguably the greatest professional wrestler that ever lived. You know, and... <laughs> He got, he didn't, he went in, he won like some terrible thing in 2000, WCW, right? I think. So that was like 19 years. I did, they do something yeah, where Kevin yeah. Nash like handed him the title. It was something very bad. Let's not talk yeah, about it. Yeah. I mean, I knew he had but, it in 99, but yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely had it in 99. Yeah. But so, you know, there were, three, but even so, just getting off track, but it's just, I mean, the, the math of that just kind of blows me away when you put it in perspective to like other times in wrestling history. 20 years between title reigns. It's pretty There crazy. are, Three people that wrestled on last night's pay-per-view that were on pay-per-views in 2002. Brock, Edge, and Orton. Mm-hmm. And by the way, wow. you could argue those were the three most over people in the mm-hmm. promotion. Th- things are so sad now that something like the Brood entrance, which was very much a mid-card act in the Attitude Era, now gets one of the loudest reactions on the show. <laughs> That theme song really is a banger, though, to use the term again. Banger. It, it, it's <laughs> that is cool. a great theme song. It's cool, but I find it very <laughs> peculiar. Like, how did that happen? Who proposed that? Was somebody who's like, you know what? We should have Edge come out to the Brood theme song. And somebody else was probably like, why? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> why not? Just <laughs> freshen this stale-ass show up? Like, I don't know I like why. It. I don't know why they do it. You know, they no, got, like, I like it, though, man. You know, they've got him dumping oil on people. It's, you know, it's very interesting. <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're going to hit the rest of these matches pretty quick. 
uh, because the, obviously the main event was most of the talking points we had for tonight. But uh, to hit the rest of the card, the semi-main was Becky Lynch defending against Liv Morgan. Guys, if you thought Liv Morgan was going to win this one, I don't know what to tell you. Got she some farmland in Jersey right. for you. <laughs> She's never going to win it. Um, Put your I makeup think... on. Fix your hair up pretty. <laughs> Kyle, you talked about in the... Uh... <laughs> it's great. You talked about in the Facebook group how, uh, you know, Liv Morgan, she needed to have a good outing, you know, given that she's got some focus here, even in a losing contest, you know, to prove herself a little bit. And I thought the match was kind of slow early. Uh, you, you got it in your notes. Nobody wants to boo Becky. We talk about this every time out. And lots of people were cheering Becky. Um they, but, they, the, know, best in, is, the best is every entrance, they have those piped-in boos for her. Yes, and then they show it's the so crowd, obvious. And then they show the crowd, and everyone's cheering. Nobody's like, booing. Who's falling for this? Is there somebody out there who's like, ooh, this Becky Lynch? Like, how confused must a non-regular <laughs> WWE watcher be when they're like, wait a minute, how are people, where are these boos coming from? Everyone's <laughs> cheering. I think it was this match. I can't remember for sure because they are doing piped in noise here and there. I guess that's a, the fallout of the Thunderdome era. I th- I feel like there was a point in this match where there was like a, a chant for Liv with claps, but you looked in the crowd and nobody was clapping. But you heard like the, the, the chant and the claps. It was very odd. I think yeah. it was in this one. Yeah, I, I think to put a bow on what you're saying, the early part of this match, there was just a clear sense of indifference Mm -hmm. from the audience, the live crowd, which reflected Becky being miscast as a heel and no one buying Liv as having any shot of winning this match. But by the, the second half of the match was pretty strong. Um, Mm -hmm. Liv did that cool spot in the corner where she like ran in and flipped around and then power bombed. That that was a nice power bomb. That was, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Um, the finish looked to me like it was botched a little bit. So, like, after Becky slammed Liv to the mat, she went to cover her. And then she immediately, like, she looked up at the Titantron. And then she looked behind her. And her feet could not reach the ropes. And she just pinned her clean. I think she was supposed to use the ropes for leverage. Uh, so, a messed up finish. That was it. Just drag her closer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why she didn't do it. It was, it was a rotten finish. So, to get back to what I, you said that I said, because I did say it if you're following along in the Facebook group, that Liv really needed a performance, a good performance here to, you know, keep any standing in the company. I think she gave a good effort. Both uh, women worked really hard here to get the crowd behind Liv, and the crowd was behind Liv. But the problem with all that hard work is it doesn't mean much if you're still beating the babyface in the end right? with a rotten finish. No less. So you talk about what happens with Big E. Well, you know, what happens with Liv? And the reason we ask these questions on podcasts like this, uh, by the way, speaking of dumb WWE words, remember when they tried to change podcasts to conversation series? <laughs> Only WWE would do such a thing. Welcome to the latest edition of the Top Rope Nation conversation <laughs> series, everyone. What kind of fucking horse shit is that? Anyway, the reason we say that is eventually Becky Lynch is going to go away. Brock Lesnar is going to go away. And the WWE is going to be like, oh shit, well, we want to push Big E and live for real this time. And the crowd's going to be indifferent to it because they've already seen them get this half-ass push. 
Mm. It's really hard to overcome a bad first, uh, quote unquote, main event push. That's why I complain. And this has been going on for 20 years where the next generation should be getting wins. They don't because the WWE preserves the status quo. And then the status quo leaves. And WWE's like, oh, crap. We've got these people left. And now we need them to be our stars. But everyone views them as lesser stars than the previous generation. And it's Isn't just that exactly what happened in WCW. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except it didn't it's go true. on for except it didn't go on for twenty years. That lasted yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, even the women's division, you know, they had Bianca Belair, who they boy booked like shit too with her title run. Uh, but other than that, like the women's division's pretty much been exactly the same for seven years too. Yeah, we said it on the year the three year uh. interview that we did this year at WrestleMania will be the six year anniversary of the three way between Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha. All three yep. of those women are clearly going to be in the two title matches at WrestleMania this year. So you've really only elevated in six years one whim, one woman into the main event scene. And it remains to be, I mean, who knows? They could call Ronda Rousey and do her and Becky, for all I know. Mm-hmm. And not even yeah. put Bianca back into the title picture. Uh, based on the fact they gave her a video package, I'd like to think they're going to do something with her. But who knows? Um I did like Jessica Carr, the referee, doing Earl Hepner tribute spots with the slow delayed before three. Mm. It wasn't really working at first because it's you know it's kind of like the pause before to get the crowd really into it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. The crowd was into it at the end, but like I said, if you're going to get the crowd believing in the babyface just for the babyface to lose, what's the point? Yeah. Um, underneath that one, they had Edge and the Miz, and Kyle was this. Edge's worst match since he's returned outside no. of that abomination at WrestleMania. Oh, okay, yeah, I was outside that, of that. My mind immediately <laughs> gravitates towards that. Uh probably. I, I think this was a lesser version of the Rollins match from SummerSlam, if you recall that one. Mm. If you don't, mm-hmm. that just kind of proves our point when we talk about WWE that you don't remember mm. it. But you know, they're just they're laid out as these faw epics. They do things that you see in great matches, but they just don't mean much. It just feels like, you know, tribute spots to great matches that are getting lesser reaction than they did in the great actual great matches. Uh, My problem with Edge in this whole comeback run of his is his list of opponents has been so uninspired. And, you know, you had Orton, Rollins... Now, Miz, it just doesn't feel contemporary again. Like, it would be so much better if Edge was feuding with people that he had no connection to in his previous run or no interaction with. You know, I mean, this whole thing they're talking about, yeah, I was in a world title match at WrestleMania 27, so was I. I mean, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) This is the only time they do long-term storytelling, is when they call back to stuff that happened a decade ago. But it's not even really... It's not even really long-term <laughs> storytelling. It's just like, no, it's just like oh, yeah, past. this happened. Like, it's it's not yeah. even like when they retconned Tito Santana into the six-man at WrestleMania three because it was just a lucky coincidence Danny Davis was the referee when he lost that match. That was, like, kind of cool. This is just like, oh, we'll just make up. We'll just, like, point out that these guys were in world title. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. Nothing. Who cares that they were in world title matches at WrestleMania 27? It, it speaks volumes that they're still wrestling each other. Um, 
Yeah, there was one decent near fall. We have got to talk about the Beth Phoenix appearance. Well, I just want to say too, the Miz did not look good in this match. I I don't know if you notice this. It seems like he, the guy is working in slow motion to me. And I saw people commenting uh, in some Facebook groups too about how his offense is. There's so many gaps in his offense. Like nothing looks tight. Everything looks very weak. And it's like. Do you think this guy is just trying to protect himself now because he was on Dancing with the Stars and he has the reality show and he's hoping for a Hollywood future or something? Because he does not. And we look, we have been very high on The Miz in the past when he was doing some really good heel work, especially with Daniel Bryan, which they completely botched all that whole nother whole nother story. Uh, you t- I think you talked about that on your your preview yeah, a little I, bit. I have a very extended rant. If you're a patron, yeah. you can hear that. Check check out the uh, the preview for WWE Day One. Kyle ranted about that, but like lately, I don't know what it is, but the Miz has not looked good in the ring, and that played into how disappointing this match was, I think. And I don't know what it is, but it looks like he's just working extra safe when I watch him. I just don't think he's built to have a match that Edge wanted here, the kind of match Edge wanted here. Edge wanted to do, you know, WWF good match TM circle trademark, <laughs> and yeah. Miz just isn't built for the kind of match that Edge wanted to do. Well, that's why I said it was a lesser version of the Rollins-Somerset match. Seth Rollins, as much as I don't particularly give a shit about him either, is at least built to do that style of match. Miz just isn't. Miz needs a a good story to help carry. I mean, if you want to see a good Miz match, watch the match he had with Dolph Ziggler at a No Mercy, like five or six years ago, whenever that was, when they first redid the brand. That That was a good match. This was just like, him trying to keep up with the style of match that Edge wanted, and it wasn't very good. There was one I, good near fall. Something I, I know it's in a lot of his matches, though, is that he doesn't seem to work very tight anymore. I don't know, just some, just some yeah. I've noticed. But yeah, this I agree to your point with the style with Edge. There's a clash there too. And, and, and can, can we laugh about? I mentioned it earlier. We let's go back this Beth Phoenix appearance. I mean, imagine someone who doesn't follow WWE watching that. How comically awful that looked. It wasn't just the the silly faces she was making. It's that like, apparently people in WWE are frozen at the top of the ramp until their music hits. Like, why was she just like, why was she just going, Oh, my music hits. Now I can move. Like, what is that? It's so phony. Oh, that was bad. Yeah. They cut, they cut to her and she was standing at the top of the ramp and it was all quiet. Then all of a sudden her theme song started. Yeah, and, you know, I, I hypothesized on my preview show, you know, what I was looking for in this match is, okay, is it a one and done? There it is. <laughs> Unbelievable. If we got to show the other picture, too, that made it show Edge and Beth were having a real fun time. At least they had a fun time at day one. Yeah, I'll get that one while you talk. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, my hypothesis was, all right, is this a one and done feud or are they building to a mixed tag? Yeah. Well, they're going to a mixed tag, obviously, but the finish here doesn't make you want to see it. Like, if they wanted to do the mixed tag, the heels needed to win. But instead, the baby face won, and we're doing a mixed tag. Okay? And, right. you know, and my I guess that'll be on TV, because, my God, you're not stretching this feed out to WrestleMania. And doing a mixed tag doesn't seem like something you would do in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm, I don't no. know. So... I, I, I like who cares? Yeah, here's the other picture. Yeah, I mean, there you go. It seems like <laughs> at least two oh, people man. had a 
Yeah, talk about bringing the new, ringing in the new year with a bang. There you go. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, RK Bro and the Street Profits. This was just questionable booking because you knew Street Profits weren't winning the title. Montez Ford is awesome. Raved about him on the pod many times. But when they lose here, you know, where do you go with them? And, you know, they did the nice shaking hands thing after the match and everything. Montez took the pop-up RKO for the finish. I mean, good match, not great. Three stars. Where are we at on this one, Kyle? I, 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 three stars might be a little generous. Uh, all RKO, RKO, RK bro, pardon me, matches are the same. They are an overact, probably one of the most overacts of the company, uh, basically just due to Orton, I guess. What happens, though, in these matches is Orton gets a big pop when he first gets in the match. There's a, then a completely dead heat segment on Riddle, and then the crowd pops for the RKO at the end. Rinse mm-hmm. repeat. Every single match is the same. Uh, we did have Migos out there, um, which... You know, I, not exactly what I would call good rap, but <laughs> at least they're more contemporary and or relevant than what's on Triple H's playlist. Yeah. You know, it, it, it be, it's better. Poppy? <laughs> I mean, at least this is better. At least, like, somebody might be like, oh, this is cool. But, I mean, if you don't know Migos, I mean, they, they kind of hit their quote-unquote peak, like, four or five years ago, which is pretty par for the course for WWE, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. It's not great. Um, as far as what you as Street Profits, somebody's going to be the Raw Tag Team Champions when they inevitably decide to break up RK-Bro, and it could be them. So it's, it's pointless to even get mad about Street Profits losing here because they might be the next Tag Team Champions anyway. Does that make a lot of sense based on how this match was booked? No, but it's WWE. Who cares? And... I'm assuming, based on the fact that we've already gone past the hour mark, you don't want to go too deep into the Randy Orton Hall of Fame candidacy in the Arresting Observer yeah, we newsletter. Whole, we could do a whole show on that. I, yeah. I just want to say this, and nobody is more critical of the last 20 years of WWE than me, I would say. You're not going to find too many people, at least. If you if you don't think Randy Orton's a WWE Hall of Famer, or a, well, he's obviously a WWE Hall of Famer, but if you don't think he's like a Wrestling Observer newsletter Hall of Famer, that is quite a statement you're making about the last 20 years of WWE. You're basically saying, like, no one's going to get in. And I don't think many people should get in for the last 20 years. But I think he's definitely a Zero Hall of Famer. You? Yes, I would put him in. It's, okay. hard for, it's hard for me to compare him to CM Punk, which was the comparison going on, because mm-hmm. I really like CM Punk a lot. CM Punk, along with Brian Danielson, are my two favorite wrestlers of the last 20 years. Whereas Randy Orton is a guy... Other than that Nick Foley match, which was almost 18 years ago, I can't think of a single time I tuned into a show to watch Randy Orton. His peak was a period of WWE that no one seemingly has any reference for, like that 2007-2009 period, which people like you and I kind of were tuning out of the company at that time. Mm -hmm. And then the people that we were replaced with in the fan base, kids who liked John Cena, they've stopped watching. So nobody, like, you, you're not going to get a lot of think pieces on Randy Orton's peak, so that hurts him. And I think what also hurts Randy Orton is what is perceived as his greatest strength, this re- incredibly long run in WWE, is, like, 
also to me his biggest weakness because it's like I would have liked to see him do something outside of WWE. It's very hard yeah. for like who do you compare Randy Orton to? Like I guess you like Triple H, The Undertaker, and he doesn't compare as favorably to those careers. So that's where I think some people probably look down on Randy Orton, but to me Punk, Orton, both should be in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, but like Orton is the line of delineation. Like, yeah, I think they both should. There aren't many people who are as big as stars as Randy Orton in the last 20 years of WWE, and so no one's really going to get hit. Yeah. All right. Kyle, Drew McIntyre wrestled who? Madcap Moss! (laughs) Look, they... I guess they're doing their best to make Madcap Moss a thing here because Drew worked a 10-minute match with him. I personally would have had Drew McIntyre win in no more than 90 seconds, especially if Drew McIntyre is going to be a potential opponent for a Roman Reigns down the well, stretch here because, you know, if they if they do... Yeah, there's a couple of things. The injury. But <laughs> if, if they do Lashley and Brock, if that does get moved to WrestleMania, then I imagine Roman's opponent is Drew McIntyre. And if Drew McIntyre is working Madcap Moss and then Baron Corbin to heat up for Roman Reigns, I'm not quite sure about that strategy. But (laughs) he's got the hurt neck. He's going to be off. We don't know how long he's he's having medical testing done this week. Um, So they they wanted to have Moss look strong here. So they he had some stretches of offense in the match, and then after the match later on in the show. Um, Moss and Corbin attack Drew backstage, which is how they wrote him off TV, so he can have this testing done on his neck injury. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts? Neck injuries can be serious, so it'll be uh, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, he's going. God, you know, Drew McIntyre, despite just complete dog shit booking over the last eight months, has worked his ass off and deserves some kudos. I think from wrestling fans coast to coast um madcap moss very bad gimmick i do like his shoes those are the kind of shoes that i would wear uh but the suspenders and chin lock combo that we saw in the middle of the well i mean obviously he had the suspenders on the whole time but when he hit the chin lock and was wearing those suspenders i was having these horrible flashbacks to erwin r shyster (laughs) Uh, especially you know based on my complete lack of caring in this match so i did not watch this live i mentioned i was watching the end of the rose bowl I had seen your comments about the length that this went. I didn't necessarily think the match length was that egregious. Uh, they did love to get happy Corbin's reaction to everything that happened in this match. They kept flat. That was like their go-to. It was like the uh, WGN camera crew giving us shots of Maurice <laughs> whenever the Edge and Miz match was uh, having downtime. <laughs> if you know that reference, you know that reference, by <laughs> the way. great reference, with, yeah. With Maurice and WGN camera crew. But uh, WGN probably would not have shot Happy Corbin um, <laughs> back in the day. Here's my question, okay? If Drew McIntyre is hurt and you're going to write him off television and, you're gonna, and you want to make Madcap Moss look somewhat strong, why would you just not have Madcap Moss win? Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be the logical thing to do instead of, oh, well, Drew still won a match that was, I guess, better than expected, but Moss still loses, and then we just do an injury angle. I mean, <laughs> it's like, like they recognize that nobody would buy him beating McIntyre. Yeah, they I'll, recognize their creations are a joke, that their characters the record, they've come up with are a joke. I've said this before in the program. 
I liked the Riddick Moss Tino Sabatelli team in NXT. I truly yeah. did. I thought there was potential there, and I think Riddick Moss isn't bad. He sh- he did show something here, but the gimmick is just so bad. Madcap Moss. That's the stupidest fucking name I've ever. <laughs> I don't seen. know how anyone sits around in a creative meeting and thinks that this is a good idea. I just don't get it. Yeah, I saw. So I don't know. I mean, to me, I would have just had you know. Well, why not just do the injury angle in front of the crowd? I, I just it was it was just so odd the way this company acts. You mentioned uh, Drew's been working really hard of late, and by the way, the Claymore finish looked really good in this match. The way he hit it, the rebound off the ropes. Uh, I will say, like, so McIntyre he's been working like double shots at their live events lately, despite having this hurt neck. So he's been doing this deal where him and Sheamus team against the Usos. And then Sheamus turns on him. And then he and Sheamus have a street fight later in the show. So he's been working two matches at their live events of late with a hurt neck. Yeah, he's been he's been going to town for the company. Yeah, and Drew deserves a little bit more credit in ring uh, for his 2021, I think. I don't know if you saw that uh, WWE produced top 10 list that they had, the in-house list they did of the top 10 matches mm-hmm. of the year. I don't think Drew was on it at all. Um, I actually thought the best three-way match, triple threat, whatever the hell you want to call it, in WWE this year was Drew, Riddle, and AJ Styles. A completely forgotten match on Raw. It was all action, unlike a lot of these three-ways, where just two guys doing spots and one guy lays around. And Drew had a banger early in the year against Sheamus. It might have been the same episode that uh, Lashley beat Miz for the title. But, you know... Those matches were completely absent from that list. And I, I think I don't that's think right. Our, I do remember that match. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think those are remembered at all. I remember them. I think, you know, that Drew Sheamus match was a lot better than Roman Reigns and John Cena at SummerSlam. Mm hmm. I mean, come on. Um, They opened, so they opened the pay per view proper, the special live. God, I, I'm not. Premium live event. Premium live event. They opened the premium live event. Ryan, the- why don't you get it? We're doing a conversation <laughs> series about a premium live event. And and and, and here we're going to talk about the New Day getting a title opportunity at the Usos. But not for the belts. Yes. You got all that? <laughs> so Usos and New Day opening the show. And of course they've wrestled on pay-per-view like dozens of times, I think, over the years. It seems like anyways. I didn't look up the exact figure. Probably the best match of the show. I'm not yeah. sure that anything happened in this match where in two, three weeks' time you're remembering it much. Certainly several months down the road, like when you're doing your end-of-the-year best matches of 2022 list. I don't think many people are going to call back to this one, but it was a very good match. I'd give it like three and a half stars. This would be like the yeah. top-out match for me. Um, they did, you know, like I said, they've worked many, many times before. They did do some interesting unique spots that they haven't done before. Uh, there was a tequila sunrise in the match, uh, the finish with the 3d, you know, it kind of set it apart from what they've done previously. Again, good match, best match of the show. Not particularly memorable though, I would say. So as I was watching this and again, I watched this one after the fact, I did not watch it live. I, uh, but my big takeaway was it didn't seem like the audience really cared who won? I didn't care who won. But there was this big difference that the audience was way more into the match despite not caring who won than I was. Like, I was like, all right, this is good, but like, I don't really, you know, 
care at all who's going to, but the audience just seemed like super into it, regardless that they didn't care who was going to, you know, they, they cheered when the heels won. And again, that speaks a lot to the WWE audience and the state of WWE storylines that people just, I, I guess that's, you know, what some people, the remaining WWE fan base kind of wants, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like I was watching stuff. They were doing good stuff, but I, I just didn't give a damn at all. It, it's, you know, I sometimes will like to construct arguments because I know, you know, people might want to like poke holes in what I say. So I want to jump out and, and nip their argument, their counter arguments in the butt. I want to compare this to rock and roll express midnight express who obviously had a lot of matches back in the day. Okay. I can see someone who knows me well, like a Chad or something, trying to be a real asshole. <laughs> trying to Chad, nip, we know nip, you're nip. listening. Yes, trying to say, oh, well, you liked when the Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express wrestled at WrestleWar 90. And I'm, yeah, I did. But the Rock and Roll Express had left for like two years before yeah. that, you know? Whereas this, again, time, place. I talked about it in the preview show. Things have happened with these teams over the last five years. Does this match feel any more important than it did in 2017? I think not. It was good. But yeah, like you said, it's not anything that I'll care about in a few weeks. It was a good, probably very good tag team match. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, some other things that happened on the show. They So earlier in the day, Johnny Knoxville, remember him? He put out a video on his Instagram page. He's more gray than I am. Announcing he wants a shot in the Royal Rumble. Look, man, the way this company is headed, I don't know that they're going to be able to fill out the roster for the Royal Rumble. So why not get Johnny Knoxville in there? Do you know what's like so terrible is it's going to be like one of the real highlights of this year's Rumble? Him in there. Yeah. And again, in like two weeks, no one's going to care. Look, I get that celebrities... Are, are something that has set WWE apart from other wrestling promotions for years. goes back yeah. to the first WrestleMania, folks. If, if you don't think Mr. T was the key cog of that uh, particular event, then you, maybe you need to go back and study your history. And there have been a lot of examples uh, of celebrities being real difference makers through the years in WWE. Mike Tyson, certainly at WrestleMania 14, uh, was one. But... The thing is, like people, like they'll tell you again these counter arguments to what we're saying. Oh, well, they're trying to appeal to like a different audience and bring these casual people in. Look, I have seen firsthand how this works. My wife was a big Daily Show fan when John Stewart hosted the show. Okay, and remember John Stewart appeared at that mm-hmm. SummerSlam. SummerSlam, yeah. Okay, and she was like, she like laughed at it. She had, oh, that's funny. John Stewart did it. I'm like, oh, are you gonna want to watch Raw tomorrow night? She's like, no. <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> it's just all they do, and especially now with social media, it's so easy to see these clips, especially because WWE sends them to everybody. People who like these folks see the clip elsewhere, and they're not having any sort of emotional connection to the show. Do you think, like, Bad Bunny fans are like, man, I'm so gl- glad that I gave this 2021 WWE a try? No. <laughs> they watched his match, and they moved on to do whatever else they were doing before. What Plus... Johnny Knoxville, I mean, I, I put this out on our Twitter page, but like, don't you have to be like 25, 30 years old at least to even know who he is? Like, it's, I haven't been following his career very closely, but it's, it feels like it's been quite a long time since he's been a relevant celebrity. Yeah. I mean, it, does he even take the bumps anymore? He seems, I don't know. That's, that's like what a I put jackass. Out. I mean, don't they like, do, I mean, I, I, I'll like 20 be honest, years yeah. ago. 
I wasn't a big Jackass fan when it was at its height. I certainly haven't thought about it in many, many years. Probably haven't thought about it since the last time they were involved in WWE. Mm -hmm. Loved when the late great Umaga stiffed the shit out of Steve-O, by the way. <laughs> so they brought they brought in those guys, <laughs> that, the Jackass yeah. guys in 07. And, and Knoxville was involved and was supposed to have this match at SummerSlam. And then Knoxville pulled out of the agreement. Because so that... That that was Benoit related. I remember. Was it? Was it? Yeah. That's why that, Knoxville didn't want to do it. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, WWE obviously was getting a lot of shit. I, I think that they they pulled out. Was that the same time as they did the Umaga Stevo thing, or was yeah. that a different? Remember that when Stevo wasn't Stevo wasn't selling, so Umaga just fucking started laying it in. That's something that should be celebrated <laughs> more in WWE. Well, they, apparently, Vince has no uh, bad feelings about him pulling out of that agreement. 15 years ago because here I, he look, is look, I, uh, but I, I put it on the Twitter page that collective noise you just heard was a bunch of kids turning to their parents and asking them who the hell Johnny Knoxville is and by uh, kids I mean anyone under 30 I'm going to make a comment right now okay and there are people who are going to get upset and I don't give a damn I wonder if Vince even remembers that they he worked with Johnny Knoxville 15 <laughs> years ago I really do there's a very good chance he doesn't I, I really wonder like if John Knox was like, oh man, it's great to be back here. What? What pal? <laughs> Never seen it before <laughs> in my life. <laughs> All right. Uh, real quick, the pre-show had something newsworthy happen. So we had Seamus and Ridge Holland teaming against Cesaro and Ricochet. And Ridge Holland got a broken nose in this match. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not laughing about that. I, I hope he's okay. That looked pretty nasty. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm laughing that WWE sent out a tweet. It was a picture of Cesaro and Ricochet. It was like, name this team. So I don't know if they're going with them as a team moving forward. But there were multiple people who responded, Wrestling Observer Newsletter, most underrated. <laughs> Which, I don't know, I found funny. <laughs> and the, so, and the, heat, the heel overcame the odds. Yes. So Ricochet, it was Rico Ricochet. He hit a, a kick and a knee when he was flipped by Cesaro. 450. To, yeah, to hit, to hit the nose. And yeah, there was a lot of blood. Hollins is taken out of the match. You're working two on one here. They didn't deviate from the plan finish, though. Sheamus still won. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of awkward. Yeah, kind of awkward that they didn't deviate from the script after that injury happened earlier. But that's what they did. So, Sheamus, another guy winning that was in this promotion more than ten <laughs> years ago. Yeah. So that's WWE Day One. Hold on. Uh, the talking point is gonna is gonna be the world title situation as we we spent the majority of the show talking about that. Kyle, yes. All right, here, here's a stat. I think this is right. I'm positive. I think. When did the Usos come in? Actually, because I want to be. The Usos were definitely in WWE in 2013. I know that. Yeah, I was gonna say 11 or 12. Okay, Let, let's let's Google this just because I don't want I don't want to like make. Okay, you look it up and then I'll have the take ready. I can adjust accordingly. Uh, started on the main roster in 2010, Florida Championship Wrestling in 09 and 010. Okay. May 24th, 2010. Uh, they made every, the babies. Every single person that won a men's match on this pay-per-view was in WWE for at least 10 years. <laughs> well, or appeared on WWE television more than 10 years ago. Why? Becky Lynch was the only winner, and that's because they didn't take the women's division seriously back then. That doesn't go back. Lesnar, 02. 
Edge mm-hmm. obviously has been gone for a while, but you know he's been around forever. Randy Matt Riddle, I guess, is the exception, but he's with Randy Orton. Uh, Drew McIntyre goes back uh, over ten years. Again, there was a, a sabbatical, but still, uh, Usos go back over ten years. Sheamus goes back over ten years. Uh, and wow. again, it goes back to if you know the argument is they're trying to reach out to new fans or, or bring back people, but the people who have left the product. Don't they look at a card like this and they they see who wins the matches? Maybe they don't even know some of these people have left and come back. And they're like, wait a minute. Look at these people who won. These are the people who were winning when I, I lost interest in WWE. Doesn't it, do it, a it, lot to bring them back, yeah. Is it is that not like it's a, yeah, it's accurate. a standard reaction? I mean, I've told the story about some of my buddies before. They're throwing hats in the fire when they hear Randy Orton is in main events or Brock Lesnar's in main events. I, I had a, when edge was inducted into the hall of fame, I'll never forget a buddy of mine. Nick look at me saying, was edge good? <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, edge is good, but I mean, you know, I, yeah. that just shows, you know, the kind of fan that WWE wants to bring back. Those are the things they say. Wow. A lot of, a lot of problems, man. A lot of issues. You get some good wrestling, but the the larger oh, issues yeah. are not <laughs> I think <laughs> and I said I th- good not great good not yeah, great I- because if you're on twitter.com you're gonna be hearing about great and bangers and stuff and yeah. you get some good wrestling um but yeah you know that's about it the the bigger issues remain and and this is why the company's not growing you're not growing so well guess what still got 363 more days than WWE this year buddy yeah we do and we will be back to talk about it. We're going to talk about, like I said, 1997 WWF later this week over on our Patreon page, reviewing the first shotgun Saturday night. So if you want to hear that, sign up for the Patreon page. That should be a lot of fun. It'll be myself. Justin will be with us. And Kyle, later in the month, we'll be doing another Top Rope Nation Classics. We got the bonus shows every single week. We're going to have two watch-alongs again this month on the Playback app. The only way to do that with us is to get in the Facebook group. Link here in the podcast description. If you haven't heard us talk about it on the show recently, we're doing twice a month live watch-alongs with AEW Dynamite where you you literally get on this new app and you can watch the show with us, like in the player, like an actual video stream of AEW with us overlaid down in the corner and we're talking with all of you in the chat room. We can bring people on stage. A lot of positive feedback. It's a, it's a lot of fun, so check it out. Get in the Facebook group so you can join us. I think we'll be doing that again next week a week from this wednesday we do another playback yeah let's say hopefully as long as everything goes according to plan um you and i i believe for the patrons are going to review the this week's adam page brian danielson match yes and and dynamite in general the the entire it'll be a dynamite review um i think we're tentatively planning you and i we talked about recording on thursday correct okay yeah Who knows? Maybe we might even talk a little NXT. Yeah, on that show. If you if you want to watch it, if not, I might just you know I don't I don't really something that I can always just watch whenever and review it on my own. But I, I'm actually a little intrigued, believe it or not, at New Year's Evil more than I was this pay per view. Hey, Kyle's been doing a couple of solo shows on the the Top Rope Nation Extra show, which is our weekly bonus show on Patreon, and they've been really good, really good listens. I actually did put out last week's to the main feed so everybody could hear what he's been doing, but he did one the week before too. And so if you want to hear all those, join the Patreon page, like I said, and thanks to 
to Frank and Jesse for signing up this week on Patreon. Really appreciate your support. I'm going to be doing podcasts with both those guys over the next 30 days, I think. Yes. Yeah, so we're branching out. We're going to be bringing on some new guests this year, this month, actually. Got some stuff coming up, so and, stay tuned and subscribe. And I don't think I've even mentioned this to you. I think I'm going to be chatting with our good friend Liam again about old WWF. Oh, Very soon. Nice. The WWF so. series over on Squared Circle Gazette coming yes. back. Yes, believe that's awesome. coming in the near. We finally found some time to do that. I've the invisible enemy, I believe, has been released from my soul again. That was that sucked, folks. Be safe out there. Don't be like me. Don't be like an idiot. Yeah. And have and have your entire family mad at you that you had to have, reschedule Christmas. <laughs> Who's the yeah. asshole? Me. <laughs> yeah. Get those booster shots. Stay safe. I, I am boosted, by the way. I just yeah, you are. You know, yeah. I went to, I, I, I don't know. I just wanted to get, it can still happen. It's a, busy, it's a busy time of year for work. And I wanted to go out. God damn it. And the joke was on me. So <laughs> here All in right. Cuyahoga County, it's like the third, like I just, this will blow your mind. I think we're like, we have like the most confirmed, ca- the third most confirmed cases of any County in America. I read. Oh my God. Yeah. What a freaking disease ridden County. I'm living in. Hard to escape it there then. Regardless yeah. of vaccination. Yeah. Whew. Well, we're glad you're doing well, Kyle. You're on, on the road I, to recovery here. I hulked up. Right. <laughs> yes. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in live or on demand here on the podcast feed. However, you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Appreciate your support. Big year plan for you. Stay tuned. We'll be catching you again real soon. Take care. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.